It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, we'll be joined by Ben Beacon from Locked On Wolves to take a look at some of the similarities and possible differences between Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards, how those two kind of came into their rookie season, some of the struggles that they faced, and then some of the positives as they navigated their way through their respective rookie campaigns. And hey, Take a look at the jump that Anthony Edwards took in his sophomore season and some of the things that we might be able to expect out of Jalen Green come next season. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You get at somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Now we are free and available on all platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, and YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Joining us now to take a look at some of the similarities and potential differences between Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards and their respective careers to this point, what we might be able to expect from Jalen Green next season is none other than Ben Beacon from Locked on Wolves. You can follow on Twitter at Beacon. Ben, I appreciate you taking the time to join the program, man. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, to talking a little bit about some of the more exciting, I mean, really two of the more, I don't know, fun to watch young players in the league, I think. Absolutely. No, I think when, you know, and maybe this is, you know, too early to say this, but honestly, Ben, I think when we look at Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green, and just the talent level between these two shooting guards for years to come, this could be the very next, you know, like Kobe, Trace McGrady debate of kind of this next generation. When you look at just the absurd amount of talent between these two guys, and that's kind of where I want to start things off here. As we, you know, navigate this show, we're going to kind of look at some of the similarities and differences between these two players and how their two careers kind of mirror each other and what we maybe can expect as Rockets fans from Jalen Green moving forward as he approaches his sophomore year in the NBA. But I want to kind of wind the clock back here first. What were some of kind of your expectations, maybe the organizational expectations for Anthony Edwards coming into his rookie season in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, coming out of Georgia, there were a lot of questions about his uh, shot selection, about his ability. Actually, as a jump shooter, he was a below average three-point shooter at Georgia. Uh, so those are probably the two biggest things. And then also, like, defensive want to, right? Like, and and 
at the time, I actually, I went back and, and verified that this was true. At the time, I was advocating for the Wolves, of course, they had the number one pick to take LaMelo Ball because I just thought, and, and of course, Ball ended up winning the Rookie of the Year and has already been an all-star and you could argue has had a better career to this point than Ant. Um, but at the time, I thought even with D'Lo on the roster, LaMelo Ball was more NBA ready. I, there were a lot of concerning Andrew Wiggins parallels with Anthony Edwards uh, in my mind. Um, and as it turns out, that was mostly unfounded because while some of those concerns were legit and that they were some of his kind of um, maybe blind spots as a rookie shot selection is still kind of a, a bit of an issue for him at times. Um, but it turns out he's a pretty decent defender. Uh, he, you know, he, he was ready to go from day one to defend in the NBA there. And we'll talk more about that here in a little bit, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but some of those concerns, it, it, you know, he wasn't great as a rookie. There were, I, I think he actually had a pretty similar rookie season to, um, to Jalen, but um you know, it, it was, it was again, defense. It was, it was the jump shot. Could he, could he lock in defensively? And I think looking back on it, he was kind of bored at the university of Georgia. They weren't very good. They were, I believe below 500 or right around 500 in his only season there. Um, and I think frankly, he just got a little bit, a little bit bored, which isn't a great excuse, but like, I mean, I guess I think that's what it was. I mean, I mean, I mean, as a rookie in the NBA, even though there were some uneven moments that we'll talk about, um, you know, none of those issues were like, glaring issues you know where they were concerning at all during his rookie season yeah I find it interesting because that's one of those areas where I think when you look at at Ant coming out and then Jalen coming out I think Ant was the more physically equipped player ready to like translate right away to the NBA whereas there were some questions about Jalen how his body would translate to the NBA not necessarily there was a concern that he wouldn't work just that Ant was more physically equipped to have his game be immediately impactful as far as just his ability to drive finish the rim things like that and then I find it interesting you bring up the the defensive side of things because that's almost like a complete inverse of Jalen if only because he was so outwardly spoken constantly about I want to be a two-way player I want to do this I want to do like you know verbally always putting almost defense as like the first thing that he would bring up in interviews in whatever just film breakdowns he was always talking about wanting to be a good defensive player and he he didn't translate to being a good defensive player right away he's improved but wasn't a good defensive player right out of the gate you know hopefully has the tools to make that happen a little bit further down the line but when we kind of shift things here and look at the the rookie season numbers um we've got i'll pull these up really quick yeah the the rookie seasons are largely comparable between Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of connect these two players because Ant had a rookie season where he kind of struggled, right? That first half of the season. And then he just absolutely turned it on in the second half of the season. And that's where really like you started to see some of that future star potential out of him, right? Absolutely. And, and Ant didn't even start until it was like late December when he started starting. And then he had that 40 plus point game and they beat the Suns, of course, the eventual uh, Western Conference champs that season. They beat the Suns on the road and I think it, like an ESPN game, maybe. And and um, Ant just had a monster performance. And, and of course, he started the rest of the season. The Wolves weren't very good at his rookie season. Um, but you look at across the board, the shooting percentages are eerily similar. Jalen Green actually shot the ball a little better than Ant as a rookie. I think the only edge Ant really had was uh, in terms of just distributing the ball the assist rate was better um and and defensively maybe a little bit and there were certainly some some holes in his defensive game as a rookie um he was really good off the ball because he's so athletic and you could tell he's got a really high basketball IQ which maybe wasn't as clear at Georgia because again I think he got bored and he was saving his energy to to do stuff on offense but he knows when to jump a passing lane there's still some issues with gambling but you know that's that's I mean he he was 19 is still only 20 actually um and 
you know, really good off the ball. He had some lapses on the ball, but now as a sophomore, uh, you know, that's, that's changed. We'll talk more about that later, but um, yeah, I mean, his second part of his rookie season on both ends of the floor, he got more comfortable. The other thing is he got to play more with Carl Anthony Towns. He got to play more with um, at the time, Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, they started playing them together more often instead of playing with the second unit. Um, which at the start of last season or, or his rookie season, I guess, wasn't very good. And so he got to play with better players um, and he became more comfortable with the speed of the NBA game on both ends of the floor. And the way he rounded out his rookie year, um, ultimately those those stat lines look really similar between Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards as rookies. Yeah, and I think, and I wonder, you know, do you think it really benefited Anthony Edwards to have that opportunity to, to maybe come off the bench for a little bit and kind of be maybe more a bit slowly more like kind of worked into what the Wolves were trying to do rather than just being thrown into the deep end? Because that's something that, you know, even though Jalen Green did start right away for the Houston Rockets, mm-hmm. he was kind of brought along a bit more slowly than a lot of Rockets fans would have liked, uh, you know, much to their chagrin, Steven Silas kind of utilizing Jalen as an off-ball player, kind of bringing him along a bit more slowly until, you know, hits the second half of the season and kind of hits that second half post-All-Star break stride where he really starts to kind of come into his own. And I think that Steven Silas and the Rockets coaching staff should get a lot of credit for that because I do think it really helped him out. So I wonder, do you think that helped Ant out being brought along a little bit more slowly? I do. He wasn't running the offense at all when he was coming off the bench. And even even when he started it, being in the starting lineup towards the end of his rookie season, he wasn't really initiating much offense. It was still D'Lo, it was still Ricky Rubio. And Ann said at the end of his rookie year that playing with Ricky Rubio helped a lot uh, because Ricky, you know, kind of took him under his wing. We saw him do that with the Cavs last year and the Cavs, you know, all the young guys loved him as as, as one of their vets. Um, and it, that was beneficial for Ant because obviously Ricky sees the floor extremely well. He's a good defender and he would take Edwards under his wing and just kind of say, hey, look, here's what you got to do. And now as a sophomore, Ant did initiate a lot more offense. He could, he's always been unselfish. Uh, he's always been a very willing passer, but now it's like he goes into these possessions with a plan where he actually knows, it seems like he actually knows what his reads are in certain sets and, and where the open guys should be. Um, that's beginning to click more as a rookie. Eventually when he did get the opportunity to initiate and even early into his second season, he wasn't comfortable. The turnovers, you know, were, you know, not alarming, but they were higher. And then as the year went on last year, he got much better. So I do think watching D'Angelo Russell, watching Ricky Rubio initiate offense um, and not having the offense run through him early was probably beneficial. And now it's like, I mean, he's likely going to initiate as many possessions or more as anybody else. I I think he's probably going to initiate more than D'Lo this year for the Wolves. Coming up, how these two players adjusted their games to the NBA level, some of the ups and downs that they faced in their rookie seasons. We're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. When it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They are the number one protein bar on the market, and for a great, great reason. Every single bar is coated in 100% delicious chocolate. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars. They've got so many incredible flavors to choose from as well, right? You got, look, strawberry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, salted caramel, cookies and cream, coconut, coconut brownie chunk. Just the list keeps going on and on and on. I could go on forever with them. Every single bar is low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, maybe lose a little bit of weight. You could check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? 
Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Continuing our conversation with Ben Beacon from Locked on Wolves as we compare Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards. Now, Ben, with Ant, looking at kind of some of the adjustments, you know, going through his rookie season, what were some of the things that he was immediately like came to the NBA and you could tell, all right, this is not going to be, you know, an issue. He can like this part of his game translated immediately. And, and you know, I don't want to blanket and just say, you know, was the scoring there, right? Was there, were there parts of his game that, you know, either attacking the basket or operating out of the mid range or the shooting that didn't quite coalesce right away? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think immediately the physicality was one of the, one of the biggest things. His first step, the ability to get to the basket, um, were his strengths as as a rookie. Uh, and you know, the shooting form was there, all that, all that stuff. Some of the weaknesses uh, I mentioned a minute ago, a minute ago, his turnover issues, and, and it wasn't again, he wasn't initiating very often. But it's like he would get tunnel vision uh, w- was the biggest thing, and that's still maybe his biggest issue. It just happens less often, where he gets, you know, he's maybe not the number one or number two option in the play, especially as a rookie. He gets the ball and he's thinking he predetermines like I'm going to shoot a step back here, and you can kind of see him milk the shot clock, shoot a step back. Um, you know, that's, that's a song and dance wolves fans saw several times a game with him, especially as a rookie. Um, or he predetermines, I'm going to take this guy to the basket, which is usually a better option anyway. Um, but I think now he's at least the reads are better. Um, he's, he's more comfortable with the speed of the game. He's more comfortable with the flow of the offense. He knows, he knows the play calls and again, initiating more offense. So as a sophomore, we actually saw his usage rate tick down slightly, but his assist rate went up. Because again, the reads are better, and he's also this is something that maybe didn't get talked about much outside of Minnesota. He actually grew reportedly, and who knows, reportedly two inches from his rookie to sophomore year. He came into the league at six four, and, and now you know everybody was saying he's really more like six six. His wingspan's more like seven feet than than uh, than it or excuse me six ten, not seven feet six ten than it was. It was like more like six nine coming into the draft. So uh, that also helped because he already had the physicality, the build, the strength, uh, the, the first step. And he's not slowed down at all. So um, I think kind of layering in and and um, layering in some of those, uh, the ability to see the floor better was was huge for him because that was a little bit of an issue as a as a rookie. You know, if if Jalen Green could sprout up another inch or two, and we're talking about a six seven six eight Jalen Green, then I mean yeah. I don't want to get my get my hopes up here, but that's an incredibly enticing opportunity. And I mean, hey, Jalen's you know also just turned twenty, right? So maybe right. he you know has another you know little growth spurt left in him somewhere. But you know, I, I do think it's so interesting, right? The reads, especially as a as a ball handler at the NBA level, you have to be able to make those reads offensively. And I do think that was something that Jalen kind of struggled with at first, where his decision making just wasn't quite there, right? Almost. I don't want to say doubting himself because Jalen and Ant to me do not strike my strike me as as guys who lack any ounce of confidence in their games whatsoever. But it's just the decision making aspect of in the flow of the game, making those snap decisions about, okay, this is how they're defending this specific possession. I'm going to do this with the ball. I'm going to drive. I'm going to attack. I'm going to dish all these little things. And 
Jalen still had that explosive first step, but one thing that really said about his game that got better as the season went along is he didn't necessarily have the physical side of things to kind of rely on like Ant did as far as finishing at the rim. And so Jalen would would beat his defender, get, you know, get the first step in. And he'd get to the rim, but he'd get blocked a lot because he was so reliant on just being faster and quicker than so many guys at the G League level and, you know, in in high school play before that AAU, whatever. He didn't really have that, you know, that finesse finishing ability, whereas as the season went on, he started being able to finish on both sides of the rim, learning how to use the basket to protect himself from shot blockers, even creating a little bit of contact and then finishing through that contact, which really helped elevate his game overall. Was there a point to you, Ben, where you saw Ant get more comfortable, like a, a defining point in that rookie season where you're like, oh, you can really tell like things slow down because for the Rockets and for Jalen Green, it was maybe a little bit post All-Star break when the Rockets had a game where Jalen started to look more comfortable, but he had his first, like, I guess his breakout performance was against the Lakers where he went on a tear, closed out the Lakers basically by himself in overtime. And that was almost like his like, all right, welcome to the NBA moment. You just took over a game for the first time. Yeah, you know, thinking back now, and 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 I guess I'm thinking I'm thinking back a year longer than than you with with Ant. I don't remember an, a specific game outside of that Suns game I mentioned earlier. I think that was, and that was right around the time he joined the starting lineup. And from that point forward, it was like, okay, this dude can really do anything. Like he can take on anybody in the league. He can get his shot off, you know, against anybody. Um, and then there was obviously that that dunk he had against the Raptors, the baseline dunk. Uh, this was, of course, the season with no fans, so everybody knows that dunk from a couple seasons ago. Um, and like that was another moment where it was like, okay, yeah, this can happen at any point. Uh, it was so I guess that Phoenix game. I think I said earlier December. It was actually early uh, early March. Uh, he dropped 42 against the Suns. They won on the road um, against Phoenix, and uh, he made four threes in that game. Got to the line 13 times. Um, and left some points there too, but he actually didn't shoot the ball that well from outside the arc or at the line, but he still dropped 42. Um, and then from that point forward, it was like, okay, like, like he could do this against anybody. And the number of 20 point games went up massively at a couple more 30 plus point games. Um, they finished the season with a win, a meaningless win over the Mavericks, but he scored 30 in that game. And I remember thinking, okay, the Mavericks are playoff bound. Like, you know, the, I, you know, just seeing Ant do that against good teams towards the end of his rookie season was really big. And you mentioned finish at the rim. That's actually still an area he he needs to improve out a little bit. Um, he shot the ball less at the rim his second season than he did as a rookie. Um, and I think part of that was a conscious decision because he took a lot of wear and tear. Um, and, and he did have some knee and some ankle stuff this year, like right around the all-star break. And, and you can trace back to when that happened. And he had a couple quieter games right after he got banged up a little bit. Um, but the free throw rate stayed exactly the same from rookie rookie year to second year in the league. Um, and and it's a little bit higher than I think what Jalen Green's was as a rookie. And so Ant's still finding ways to get to the free throw line. I think that's kind of the next frontier for him is getting to the line more and also absorbing contact better. Um, he, he he I think sometimes anticipates contact that doesn't come and he he kind of sloppy left hand finishes some of the time. And and for a guy of his size and athletic ability, he should finish at the rim even better than he does. Uh, that's probably the the next place he could take a leap, you know, score a couple more points a game at the rim or get to the line twice more a game. Um, and you're going to see that scoring average go from, you know, the low 20s to the mid 20s pretty quickly. Did it ever feel like to you that Ant was again? I don't want to say the word you know lacking confidence because that's just not the right the right yeah. you know set of words to use. But throughout Jalen Green's rookie year, it felt like the Rockets were kind of juggling a lot of different variables. They had Christian Wood, you know, what is his future in Houston? Is he the number one option? Like, what are things going on there? They were balancing, you know, the Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard experiment. Um, they just had so many moving parts to where at times it felt like Jalen was 
you know, not wanting to step on anybody's toes out there or at, at times just, you know, kind of deferring to these other guys in the roster a little bit too much. Did you ever see any of that out of Ant where it's like, okay, I'm just going to defer to D'Lo or defer to to Cat? And was there a point where he just started to realize, no, I'm, I'm just as talented, if not more talented than these guys. I'm going to take the shots that I feel like I need to take. I think maybe just early in his rookie year, and that was mostly when he was coming off the bench. I do remember some specific occasions where he w- it felt like he was deferring, and I, I remember Ricky Rubio being the guy who would go over to him and, and you know they talk about it after the game, and he'd be like, yeah, I just told Ant, like, hey, you can score against anybody. It doesn't matter who's guarding you. You're athletic. You can score. Um, and 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 that was a, an early rookie season thing, and then past that, it hasn't really been an issue. At times last year, and I think we can trace this back to the, the knee injury that he had um, and then the sprained ankle he had right before the All-Star break, where you could tell that he was a little bit hobbled and was passing up an opportunity when he normally would take a difficult step back or he normally would try and take somebody to the rim. And he was passing up those opportunities a little more frequently. And, you know, you can generally afford to do that when you've got Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell on the floor with you. But um, if he's healthy, he's aggressive. Um, and, and it, you know, like, like you said, he never really lacked for confidence. It was more, you know, maybe early just getting comfortable with the speed of the game. Everybody always talks about that. And also finding his spot. I think he didn't want to step on toes. He's, he's uh, you know, by all accounts, a great person and, and somebody who wants to fit in and doesn't doesn't want to be the guy who's, who's, uh, you know, hogging all the shots, all the possessions. And so, you know, I think there's a little, there was a little bit of that early too, but now everybody on the wolves from Chris Finch, the head coach to, to the stars like towns and, and D'Lo, they've told him like, Hey, you gotta be aggressive. And, and, uh, I, I think that's all he needed. And now it's, you know, if he's healthy and he's feeling good, then, uh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be aggressive. What has the fan reception been around Anthony Edwards and how has he kind of taken this jump with the with the second year in his career as a sophomore? What were some of the things that led to the jump that he had this past season? And how can we, you know, potentially look at that as it relates to Jalen Green and the jump that he may be poised to take this upcoming season for the Houston Rockets? We're going to get there in just one moment. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, what has been, you know, with with the Wolves, I feel like it's maybe a bit of a different circumstance because with the Rockets, right, they, they drafted Jalen Green and he immediately became like, all right, yeah, this is our guy. This is our, our cornerstone. This is the future, like all that. Whereas Ant kind of came into a situation with a guy who was already kind of the cornerstone in, in Carl Anthony Towns. How has the fan reception been around that? And is it... I even remember posing this question back during the Wolves playoff run where I was like, is yeah. 
is Ant already the best player on the Wolves? And, you know, what has that been like to kind of see that adjust? How has Ant, you know, how has Cat kind of responded to that? And, and is it safe to say that Ant is the best player on the Wolves right now? Yeah, if this were three, four years ago, I'm not sure that Carlton Towns would have handled it as well as he has. But now, I mean, Towns just got a super max, so he's he's good to go. He had his press conference on Thursday, talked glowingly about being in Minnesota, about how it was go time for him and Ant. He brought up, you know, uh, he brought up Kobe and Shaq and, you know, winning a championship and all this stuff because, like, that's that's Cat. And also, what else are you going to say when you're asked? And um, I think they're both fun-loving. They're, they're different personalities, um, but there's also some similarities. They're both happy-go-lucky, like, it's all about the team. Like they'll say all the right things to the media, uh, but Cat is much more measured when when he speaks to the media, and and he's very like going back to when he was first drafted from Kentucky. Um, at sometimes it's almost like too rehearsed, too like he knows exactly what he's going to say. And Ant will, you know, he famously was ordering McDonald's on his phone during a post game press conference last year. Like he'll he just says whatever comes to mind. Happy go lucky fans love that. And, you know the fans in Minnesota love him, and Towns, you know he's. He's been there. They were bad when they drafted him. They made the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. There was the Butler Towns fallout. And then they were bad again. There was the Ryan Saunders stuff. Then there's the Gerson Rosas firing under, under you know, uh, somewhat murky circumstances. Uh, uh, just, I guess, under a year ago still. It feels like three years ago. Um, and so it's been a roller coaster for Towns. And then obviously the, the COVID thing and his mom passing away. And, um, and you know, the, Towns has been there through all of it now. And I think there's... Minnesota fans knew that there was going to need to be somebody else. I think, I think, you know, fans of the league probably could look at this and say, you know, Towns was never maybe going to be the alpha dog on a championship team. And I think that's probably true, but he can be the best scorer on, on a championship team. And, and at times defer to somebody who can score in the cut in the clutch, like Anthony Edwards and, and have the personality to take on some of that stuff. Like Anthony Edwards, like last year in the playoffs, cat had his struggles. He had, the bad play in game against the Clippers. He had issues in the first round against Memphis at times with their physicality. And Ant was the one talking to the media saying, you know, I don't like the fans in Memphis. You know, there's a kid in the front row that was, you know, cussing me out and like all that, like Ant takes that stuff on and he loves it. And I think the fans in Minnesota knew there had to be kind of another personality that, that could lead this team, another dynamic score, potentially two way player uh, in Anthony Edwards. And, and he seems to be the perfect match for that. So, um, you know, I think it was unlocked in NBA. You'd asked me a few months ago, like, hey, is Ant, is this Ant's team? It's still such a tricky question because Cat still says all the right things, but Ant is the one that everybody wants to talk about because he's still only 20 years old. What is the ceiling for Anthony Edwards? What can he turn into? Uh, but the fans, especially young fans in Minnesota, absolutely love Anthony Edwards. He's so captivating both on and off the court. I think that's kind of one of the questions facing the Rockets a little bit too is, you know, not, not is this Jalen Green's team? I, I think especially he, he is the alpha on this team. It is very, very, very much. He's the Rockets cornerstone moving yeah. forward, but is he going to embody that both, you know, be the best player, the number one scorer, all that, and also be kind of maybe the heart and soul of the team as well, which it seems like that's kind of the dichotomy there between Ant and Cat is maybe Cat's still the number one scorer, the number one guy, but then Ant kind of embodies some of the, you know, the leadership that you know, values of, of what's needed to take a team all the way to the promised land, to the next level, that kind of yep. thing. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see Jalen and kind of how he progresses from a leadership perspective, which he has all the, he has all the intangibles, everything we hear about Jalen. He's a hard worker. He leads by example, everything and adding guys like Jabari Smith and Tari Eason from this most recent draft to that other guys who have incredible work ethic. Like hopefully it's, it's got the rockets trending in the right direction, but 
the big part and the part that has Rockets fans so excited about this potential kind of comparison between Jalen and Ant is the insane leap that Ant took in his sophomore year. I mean, he, he, had a strong close to his rookie season, identical to what Jalen Green did almost, where you look at their numbers. Uh, in fact, I want to make sure I have this pulled up because I, I I was so curious. I ran the numbers from their rookie seasons after mm-hmm. the All-Star break, and Jalen Green wound up averaging 22 points per contest on about 48% shooting from the floor and then 39% shooting from three. And then Anthony Edwards averaged almost 24 points per game on 45.5% shooting from the floor and then 35% shooting from three. So yeah. the three-point shooting, not quite as good, just the overall efficiency, not quite as good, but slightly more points per game. Uh, got a handful of field goals more per game than Jalen did, but very similar numbers to just closing out that rookie season strong. And even Jalen, he had the, you know, to final, you know, had 30 plus in six of his final seven games as a rocket to close out his his rookie year, including the 40 piece to round out the final game of the season. So what steps did you see Ant take in that summer between his rookie season and then his sophomore season? What was the thing that really stood out to you about how he adjusted his game coming into his sophomore season that really allowed him to take that next step? Yeah, I think he just became a better shooter. And I think a lot of that was summer work. Like, I wish it was more. And we talked a little bit about the distribution and the ability to read defenses better, the defensive improvement. But he shot better from every single zone on the floor as as a second-year player than he did as a rookie. You go through basketball reference, go zero to three feet, you know, whatever, all the different. Every single one of those ranges, he was up in terms of percentage. Uh, the catch-and-shoot three-point shooting is, and, and I think I should also say, I think the reason he worked on that so much was because teams were giving him space. They didn't want to get beat by Anthony Edwards. They didn't want to be the next poster because everybody saw him do that uh, as a rookie. And so teams were playing back off of him and they're still doing that because you'd rather have Ant shoot a step back than Ant dunk over you. But they have to respect it a little bit now and he gets hot and, and and like so many players do. And he just like, he can't miss from three at times. Then he goes through these other, these funks. And that's where we end up with kind of a league average three point shooting number. However, his second season, his catch and shoot number as a rookie, he shot only 33.5% on catch and shoot threes. So well below league average 40, that improved to 41.3% last year, which is what 7.8%, basically eight points, uh, a catch and shoot improvement. And on a team with Carl Anthony towns, the reigning three point contest, champion it was actually the best catch and shoot three-point shooter barely he edged out cat in that category but he was the best catch and shoot three-point shooter on the Timberwolves. so you get a d-low cat pick and roll or, or now a d-low rudy gobert pick and roll with cat posting up or a uh, uh, cat uh spotting up beyond the arc and ant doing the same thing in the other corner and um and then ant can pump fake and drive or ant can let it fly and shoot 41 42 and catch and shoot threes that's really dangerous and and i think that's the biggest difference for me, other than being able to read the defenses and applying himself better with one-on-one defense. I think it's really the 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 catch-and-shoot three-point shooting and the efficiency improvement from everywhere on the floor, um, every single zone on the floor, he improved. And, and that's clearly work in the summer. It's it's being a little bit more comfortable with the game. Um, and and the team was also better, too, so he got more open looks. But uh, I think that's, that, that's probably the biggest thing. Is he just became a better all-around shooter as a second-year player. Did you see anywhere in Ant's game where he kind of maybe started to develop a bit of a a bit of a go-to move, if you will? Because for Jalen, what he wound up doing, and this was part of the thing that kind of drove me a little crazy throughout his rookie year, is in the G League, we saw him have this kind of patented like mid-range step back that he would get to, which felt really effective because at times, you know, maybe you know, defenses are, are you know closing out at you at the three-point line, forcing you to drive in, but you don't want to go all the way in because you know yeah. you're dealing with the land of the trees at that point. 
And it felt like he would go to this mid-range move to either create in isolation or to just stop and pop in the mid-range. And he didn't do that for like the first two-thirds of his rookie season. And then he started to roll that out just randomly. He was like, yeah, I know I need to start getting back to the mid-range. Defenses aren't letting me get to the rim and they're closing out hard on the three-point line. So I've got to have something else to go to. And he just seemingly pulled it out of his bag out of nowhere, like just dusted it off a little bit. And then that's how he took over that game against the Lakers. He had some mid-range buckets in that game that he otherwise would have ignored earlier in his in his rookie campaign. Was there anything like that with Ant where suddenly he has this one like de facto go-to move that is his bread and butter at this point in his career? Not not really, not really one that's effective. Actually, Ant's game is most effective when he's when he's just not thinking and he's just going, you know, his best when he's at his best is when he can take a dribble handoff and straight line drive to the basket or take a dribble handoff and pull up uh, for a jumper from the perimeter. But he does. He loves the step back three and and the numbers aren't great. Uh, but again, when he gets hot, he knocks that down. He could, he looks, you know, it's at times almost kind of a James Harden esque move um, with. And if he improves that efficiency anywhere near where James Harden has been with it at, at the peak of his career, then, I mean, it's over. I mean, he's going to be an unstoppable scorer. Um, he does like going right to left, uh, and he ha- was a little more willing to shoot from mid-range his second year than he was as a rookie. Um, and, and the efficiency there was good, but he has a right-to-left crossover, and he's more comfortable going left than he was as a rookie. Again, like I mentioned earlier, finishing at the rim is still a little bit of an issue, especially on the left side. Um, but he can get to his left and get to the rim you know, using either hand, and then it's just a matter of finishing. So I think it with a little more polish, that step back and then the right-to-left, and you know, because teams are trying to force him left, the willingness to go to his left hand um, and still have that quick first step and then finish at the rim. Those are probably, you know, the, the, the next area where he could, if he's working on that this summer, um, you know, that step back and, and getting to the left hand are going to make him genuinely unstoppable. That's kind of those are a couple of the areas that I'm really hoping to see Jalen Green kind of grow in this summer as well. I thought he was throughout his rookie campaign a bit of an underrated playmaker, kind of the ability to make some of those reads as the season went on. And I do think that's something that Jalen really excelled at is just identifying, okay, I'm doing this wrong. How do I fix it? How do I adjust it? How do I adjust it? And then making those adjustments in his game throughout the season to where defensively we saw him kind of growing and making these adjustments, making better reads defensively as the year went on. A lot of times it takes players an entire offseason season to kind of grasp a new concept or add something, you know, add something to their bag offensively. And we saw Jalen kind of doing these things in the middle of a season, which takes a lot of skill to be able to just add stuff to your game and really pick up on schemes and reads and things like that, you know, over the course of an NBA season. Ben, are there any other, you know, anything else that jumps out at you about these two guys and and Jalen, any similarities in their games that we haven't spoken about yet so far? I mean, for me, and and admittedly, I saw Jalen a lot less than I saw Ant last year. I think it's I think it's the the joy and the confidence that we already talked about. It's the biggest thing. Both of those guys are, you know, uh, they they don't lack for confidence. They play the game with with a joy, with with a, a level of like, hey, you you can't stop me. I can beat anybody one on one. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing. And then and everything you've talked about, how you know Jalen's willingness to to just improve in certain areas. That's something that everybody says similar things about Anthony Edwards that he, you know, to to a person, coaches and players say like, hey, he listens. Like Patrick Beverly said that all time, all the time last year. Like, Ant listens when we tell him stuff, and he'll he'll work on things, and he'll, you know, he he doesn't mind if somebody gets on him, and and you know, which isn't, you know, that not every Carl Anthony Towns doesn't respond the same way necessarily, right? So Ant has that attitude where he's happy go lucky, but he gets really upset if things don't go how he thinks they should because he knows he's talented and and yet he still listens to difficult coaching and and to the the veteran players that are mentoring him so i think that's that's a a similarity certainly between the two of them all right ben final thing here before i let you go 
Who's the better dunker, Jalen Green or Anthony Edwards? Well, of course I have to say Anthony Edwards. I, I mean, <laughs> he, uh, that, that, uh, I can't remember who it was against, uh, Watanabe, maybe the, the rookie year. The oh, dunker, that was, <laughs> yeah. Against the Raptors. Uh, that, that was crazy. Um, there was one last year and I'm not remembering who it was against. There was another really good one last year. Uh, I don't know if either of them, you know, you know, dunk contest moving forward. I don't know if we're going to get into the dunk contest or not, but it'd be a ton of fun. Getting getting an well, Jalen Green needs redemption for his dunk contest shenanigans sure. this past year, absolutely. But if we could get an Anthony Edwards Jalen Green dunk contest going, that would be a dunk contest for the ages. Two of the most athletic guys currently in the NBA. But Ben, I appreciate you taking the time to join us over here at Locked On Rockets. Do me a favor, let our listeners know where they can track you down at. Yeah, for sure. Of course, Locked On Wolves. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, including YouTube, and then also on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is at bbeacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Ben, appreciate you taking the time to join the program. Absolutely. Thanks, Jackson. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Rockets. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. Remember the mantra, for the house, for the team, for the algorithm. Go comment on the YouTube page. It helps out a ton. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. A hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.